destino para ti lo que viniera de ti. Welcome to the Inside the Journey podcast. This is episode number 63 for July 27th, 2014. I'm Nelson DeWitt. And I'm John Younger. And we are the creative team behind the upcoming documentary film, Identifying Nelson Buscando a Roberto. Our film is about my life as one of El Salvador's disappeared children. To learn more about the film and sign up for updates, head on over to inbarfilm.com. That's I-N-B-A-R film.com. Inside the Journey is a weekly podcast that John and I do together. We discuss issues relating to the film and interview people who help us better understand what happened in El Salvador. This week, our guest is Congressman Jim McGovern of Massachusetts 2nd District. We talk about the challenges facing modern-day El Salvador and its search for justice in the face of some difficult amnesty laws. Uh, one issue, one uh, House bill you repeatedly brought up is Latin American Military Training Review Act, and that's that has to do with examining the School of the Americas that trained a lot of the people that were involved right. in the Jesuit massacre as well as many other massacres, and not just in El Salvador, but in countries like Guatemala or Honduras. So, so if you could talk about that a little bit. The United States back then, and to a certain extent now, continues... Um, to train militaries that um, do not respect human rights. Uh, and they used to offer a course in torture at the School of the Americas. They took that off the curriculum. But nonetheless, um, you know, what, what, what that school does, in my opinion, is it kind of legitimizes some of these militaries. Uh, and it makes one believe that somehow that not only are they legitimate, but they can't be that bad if they're receiving you know, U.S. training on U.S. soil. Uh, and uh, we've always complained that the school never follow up, follows up on its alumni. Uh, and, uh, you know, their response is, well, neither does Harvard, you know, or Yale. Uh, my response back to them is, well, they, they, I think most of them do because they look for, for money from a lot of their rich alumni. But this is different. I mean, this is, this is, this is training somebody basically to kill. And um, so I think we have a special responsibility to find out what happens. And we have, and we have tried to shut the school down. Uh, we've been unsuccessful. I've appealed to the Obama administration to shut the school down. They don't want to do it. Uh, we passed an amendment uh, to get the Department of Defense to release to us the names of the graduates of the school so that human rights groups around the world can follow up on them. Uh, they, uh, notwithstanding that, that amendment, the Department of Defense has claimed that this is super sensitive classified material. They can't give that to us. So, you know, we, we continue to have this school that has been tied to so many brutal atrocities, not only in El Salvador, but all around Latin America, and there's no follow-up. There's no way to see whether all the new graduates are Boy Scouts, like the uh, school tells you they are, or whether or not they've gone back and done some terrible things. And um, so we continue to believe that, uh, I continue to believe that that school is a blemish on our human rights record. And we ought to, we ought to just shut it down. We don't need it. We don't have a school of the Asias. You know, we don't have a school of the Europe's. You know, we, we, but yet this is a unique little deal for Latin America. And I think that, um, you know, one of the problems in Latin America, you know, throughout my lifetime has been, you know, these two powerful, too brutal, too rotten militaries that um, 
that abuse the human rights of their people. And I, I, I don't think we should be associated with them. And you know, even today, we continue to look the other way. I mean, I, I'm thinking of the Colombian military right now, where you know they're involved in some terrible things, and we, yet we continue to fund the Colombian military. And um, let me just say one thing about, about El Salvador today, and that, and that is one of the, you know, the peace agreement was a big deal. But signing a peace agreement in and of itself, signing a piece of paper, doesn't solve all the problems. And that's why I regret that um, there wasn't more of an accounting of the human rights abuses that went on in El Salvador. You know, if you're somebody whose, you know, husband and kids were murdered, you know, in a massacre, I, I, you know, you're never going to get them back, but you at least deserve to know who did it. You know, uh, and at a minimum, you're owed an apology. Uh, public apology, you know, or to be honest with you, in some cases, you, you're owed to have that person responsible to go to jail. Um, and for and for reasons that, you know, I think were more about political expediency than anything else, the, the Salvadorans during the whole process kind of, kind of bypassed that part of, you know, accountability, you know, of truth-telling, of, you know, we had, a, we, had a, we had the Mowgli Commission that focused in on the Jesuits, you had a truth commission that kind of focused in on the on the that the UN had uh, had had supported that, that focused in on some of the you know higher profile cases, mm -hmm. but the the people of El Salvador deserve much more. You I mean you talk about the you know the the, the basically the stealing of children, um, yeah. you know that the was child that was entirely left out of the truth commission right. report. Yeah, and you know and you know and that to me. You know, again, I mean, I, I, you know, what, what an awful, horrible thing. Um, you know, and and yet it, it didn't get any attention. Um, Father Quatina did brought attention to it, but it did it never it never got to the level, you know, where it should have. And it should have been part of you know this this wrapping up you know the peace negotiations, and you know, and and issues of impunity weren't dealt with, and issues and issues involving corruption weren't dealt with. So today in El Salvador. Um, you know, you, you have a country well that's not involved in a civil war. Yeah, it is. It is probably one of the most dangerous countries, you know, um, in the area in the, in the hemisphere. You got you got more people dying each day in violent deaths than they were during the war. Sure, and um, a lot of that has, to, I think, has to do with judicial impunity and the fact that something like ninety percent of all murder cases aren't solved. Right. So that, um, well, and and the deal is, you know, and we, you know, and we know this because um, I continue to follow the thing events in El Salvador, that um, you know some of the killings are, you know, ordered or paid for by people who are well off or well connected, and they stifle the investigations. But unless you deal with the issue of impunity, you know, um, you're really not going to be able to effectively address the issue of human rights, because if people, especially those well off, believe that I can kill you. And get away with it, you know. Um, and then, you know, it, be, it, be, it be, begins to become accepted. It begins to become a habit. Add to that the, you know, the gang issues. A lot of those, a lot of that is as a result of the fact that we deported <laughs> um, gang members who were in jails in the United States. We sent it back to El Salvador. But again, I mean, there, there, there's, there, there needs to be, you know, an adherence to the law. And, um, and instead of you know, basically going after those who are involved in criminal activities, there's kind of a, a, an attempt to kind of manage those criminal activities. And I, 
I think that's too bad because it, it stifles, you know, foreign investment in El Salvador. It, it it makes El Salvador not a desirable place to go for tourism because it's too dangerous. Um, it is, you know, it, and, and, it, and it means that, you know, the poverty that exists there continues. Um, and and so I, you know, I, you know, I'm, I, when I go back there, I'm, I'm, I'm sad by the fact that this incredibly beautiful country, you know, that has gone through so much hell, a country that stands for the savior in English, you know, mm -hmm. is still engulfed in violence, uh, is still plagued by corruption, um, and and it's and it's sad. I mean, to, for me, I mean, I and I and I've seen friends who I've known since the war who. You know, we're still kind of, you know, fighting for the same issues, and um, and I just think the people of that country deserve a hell of a lot better than they're getting right now. You know, one of the themes we try to address in the film is the idea of amnesty, right. and uh, in you know the recent uh, case of the general Inocente Montano, right. who was uh, you know a general in the war in El Salvador and then was found living in in Massachusetts right. and. Um, one of the questions we wanted to ask you was ar around these very difficult amnesty laws that are in El Salvador, but how might something like the general's case start to heal wounds if it's you know brought to trial? What would the effect of uh, perhaps getting one case to go through courts have uh, for the country in their efforts to move forward? Well, look, I mean, I, I, it's very difficult to address your past, especially when it's as painful as El Salvador's past has been. But you can't move beyond that until you actually, you know, you know, hold those who are responsible to account. Or at least, you know, find out what the truth is. I think I think the truth, the ultimate truth, the ultimate you know, kind of dealing with impunity, whether it's in a high profile case like the Jesuits case, you know, or other cases, you know, um, it has a healing effect. Um, it, 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 you know, uh, because what it does is, you know, it, it makes people who've been victimized believe that there is such a thing as justice, uh, and I think that's an important, that's an important thing to have people feel. You know, that I live in a country that is just, where if when bad things happen, you know, people will be held to account. The other reason why it's liberating is because it sends a message to the bad guys that look at, you know, you can't do whatever you want to do. Uh, and get away with it. We're going to come after you, and that's liberating for the victims as well. Knowing that, you know, uh, it, 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 it there's a deterrence to that. I mean, the problem with impunity is there's no deterrence. You know, you get away with everything. Um, there's no accountability. Um, so what, what's what's what, what's the reason for a bad guy not to continue to kill or not to continue to steal money? You know, when he can get away with it all the time. And um, and that's been too much a part of El Salvador's history, where judges are bought off, where they don't get paid enough, where law enforcement people are paid off to go to look the other way, where you have attorney generals that don't believe in justice, where, you know, um, and, and, and our deal in the Jesuits case, I remember during the, you know, 1989, 1990, that time was that if you get, if, if the system could work and get it right in this one case, then maybe there's hope that the system will work in cases that are not so high profile. At the end of the day, the, the, you know, I mean, you know, they had a trial, they, you know, convicted a couple of people and, you know, uh, but they did not go after the 
members of the high command of the Salvadoran Armed Forces. They let them off scot-free. In fact, I remember one of the last things that Colin Powell did uh, it was he went down to El Salvador and gave members of the high command, including General Ponce, um, a medal. I mean, which one, I, I felt like throwing up when that happened because I, thought, I found that so offensive that we would give anybody uh, who was associated, and this was after we issued our report in the Jesuits case, that you would give that man or anybody associated with the high command a medal, uh, given the fact that uh, the only thing that they did, you know, at the end of the day was brutalize a lot of innocent people. And I, and I, that to, to this day bothers me greatly. But, uh, but it, you know, but I don't, I, I thought the amnesty was a bad idea then. I still think it's a bad idea now. I'm not saying that everybody's going to go to jail. You got to you got to adjudicate every single case, but there has to be a sense that the country will not tolerate impunity when it comes to crime. And unfortunately, we have not reached that point in El Salvador. Do you think that this case with Innocente Montano is one that could make a difference? I I think it can make I think it can make a difference. I mean, I, you know, um you know, he um, he was in a position to know, you know, what was going on. He didn't ultimately give the order. He's part of a, certainly part of a cover-up. Um, but I, I think the importance is that in the, that we're not going to just whitewash the past. You know that you know that that there's going to be an attempt to be able to, you know hold to account those who were responsible for terrible things. And in this case, it was the murder of six priests. But it's I think, my I think that's important. That in order to, if, if he was um, extradited to Spain, that right. a trial could be held. And, and without, without that, if there's not one of the 20 um, perpetrators there, there's no trial that can be held. So it's a chance to really get things on the record. Right. And, I support, and, we, and we've already indicated to the, to the Obama administration that we believe he should be extradited to Spain. Mm -hmm. If they make the request that he should be sent, um, I, you know, I'm, I've also, you know, wondered, you know, there were a lot of members of the Salvador military who were involved in terrible cases, including the, you know, cover up, of, you know, if not the orders of, of the church women and of so many other terrible massacres that have found their way into the United States. And I've always wondered whether they, how they, how they could, never mind getting, um, you know. Their status regularized, uh, given their past. How they even get visas to come into this country? And I've always wondered how many of these people, you know, you know, work with our intelligence agencies down there during that time, and you know, in return for their service to the CIA or the DIA, you know, ended up, you know, being able to live out their retirement years in the United States. And um, you know, even here, I, 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 we don't, I don't know, I still don't know, and we've tried to find out. Uh, how certain people got here and where they're living. Our country has not, I don't think, uh, lived up to its responsibility with regard to El Salvador. You know, as soon as the war ended, I mean, we, we stopped sending all that military aid down to El Salvador, and then we, we cut development aid significantly. Um, you know, after spending all those millions and millions and millions of dollars tearing the country apart, you know, you would have thought we would have spent a few bucks to help repair the country. And you know there are a couple of projects that we're we're working on down there, but uh, you know that country, that whole country was at war. I mean, don't forget the night the Jesuits killed, there was an offensive in San Salvador. The whole country was impacted by that war.
-hmm. and um, and it, the country is still in tough shape. In fact, some of the rural areas in El Salvador are every bit as bad as they were before the war. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I I think El Salvador is a country with great poten potential. I you know, and I think um, I think you know we failed, and I think others failed in not helping that country rebuild because. When a war ends, you know, you sign a peace agreement, the next day you don't wake up and magically everything's okay. You know, you still have the problems of poverty and, and hunger. You still have the, uh, uh, the problems of uh, unemployment and, you know, of, uh, you know, of, 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 of a, a crumbled infrastructure. All those things need to be addressed, and that country can't do it on its own. It needs help. And, and all those problems in a country that's 20 years removed from a civil war. Right. And, and everything that comes with that. I, you know, I, I think we um, we failed uh, El Salvador. Uh, we failed them first when we took sides in that civil war. We failed them again when we kind of walked away. And again, don't forget the U.S. I don't think was prepared for there to be a peace agreement because uh, we, we we were in the process of building one of the biggest embassies in you know Central and South America <laughs> in El Salvador, which is now there. And I think. So I think a big portions of it are empty, but uh, I think the, the Bush administration at the time was prepared to stay there for a long, 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 long time, expecting this war to go on for a long, long, long time. And uh, but uh, so we built this big embassy, uh, but that's about all we left behind in El Salvador. And I think uh, I think I think we owe that country much more. Well, this is actually a, a good segue to one of our final questions for today, which was. What what can we do to help? Uh, what can our listeners do to help? I mean, whether it's the you know um, supporting the extradition of uh, the general Montano or uh, any other way. I mean, what are your thoughts about the way that the you know, uh, civilian Americans can help change things in El Salvador? Well, a few things. One is I think that um, that. Uh, Obviously, supporting the extradition of Joe Montano, I think, is a, is, a, is an important thing. Um, I think showing some compassion uh, to the uh, Salvadorans uh, who are now at our border, the, the, the children, um, you know, they're fleeing a very violent country. Uh, and I think given our history, uh, we owe them something, and it ought to be safe haven in the United States. And so um, I think it's important for people to let their elected officials know that uh, we're tired of the ugliness and of the, you know, the terrible demonstrations at the border. You know, we believe that uh, we're a country of, you know, that respects human rights and has some compassion, and we ought to welcome these people, uh, these children, into our into our country. The other thing I believe, and you know, is that, you know, during the war, one of the things that became commonplace is that cities and towns adopted other cities and towns. Uh, cities and towns in the United States adopted other cities and towns. In El Salvador, we had these sister-city relationships, and people on a regular basis went down and tried to offer some help. Look, I, I, I don't think uh, that we're going to be able to get th this Congress that hates foreign aid to change its mind and to send the kind of support, at least in the short term, to El Salvador that it needs. But I think all of us can do something. Um, and, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's, you know, working in one particular village where you make a pledge to go down every year with people to help, whether it's to rebuild a church or to rebuild a house or to help build a community center or whatever, or send books down for schools or supplies, medical supplies, whatever, but to help, you know, reestablish.
establish those kind of relationships. Uh, I'm going down in November. Uh, it's the 25th anniversary of the uh, murders of the Jesuit priests, and uh, you know, and I'm 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 going down with a hundred thousand dollar check from the Mokley Foundation uh, that was that was established after Congressman Mokley died to to give to that university um, to try to help them, you know, continue to grow and become the best university not only in El Salvador but in, in the region. But I, I think those are the kinds of things that, that you know that are doable. That you know we ought to, you know, uh, we, we ought to get our churches and our synagogues and our mosques more involved in these you know kind of sister city relationships because uh, you know they helped a lot during the war um, and I think they can help a lot now in peacetime. I mean, I, th I think um, I think I think that represents the best of America and I think I think the people of El Salvador would appreciate that. Great. Um, I wanted to thank you so much for talking with us today. It was it was very generous of you to give us your time and, and to speak on these issues, which are obviously well, very important to us, and, and, and you have demonstrated a lot of hard work towards. Well, my, my, my pleasure. I, I love El Salvador, and I, I, I always will. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to say on a, on a personal note how much all the work that uh, you and uh, Mokley did on, on Ending the war in El Salvador, you know, I um, it, I still deal with the repercussions of it, uh, and so does my family. And I think that uh, you know it was just so um, heartwarming to me to read about all the effort that the two of you um, put into this little country that most people, you know, don't really know or I guess care about. So well, you, you know. know when, 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 Joe Mokley in uh, 2001 was told he had three months to live. He, had, he was diagnosed with leukemia. And this is a guy, you know, South Boston, Tip O'Neill type of politician who, you know, took great pleasure in bringing federal monies back to his district and, you know, building things and, you know, improving, you know, the quality of life in Massachusetts. And when they asked him, you know, what is what is the most, um, what, 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 what did you have you done in your life that gave you the most satisfaction? And I think people thought, you know, oh, the, the the development of Boston's waterfront or the cleanup of Boston Harbor, or I mean, they were expecting that. He said, he said to them, um, the most the, the thing that I that it has the most value in my life is the work that I did in El Salvador. And so, you know, if he were alive, he would tell you that uh, to go there is to fall in love with with the people. Um, and we went there during some difficult times. I remember going out to a place called Santa Marta. Is when the war was still going on, and we went out uh, mostly, mostly a village of all women and children because the men were out fighting with the FMLN, um, and just you know falling in love with the people that he met, and just the spirit and the determination. And as a result of that, it was it's the people of El Salvador, the refugees he met, the people he met in El Salvador that touched his heart, touched my heart, and you know you, you just you, you feel like you know look. You know, these are these are good people. <laughs> these are wonderful people. You know, we ought to, you know, we we ought to we, we ought to demonstrate our friendship by trying to help them. Uh, and um, and so that's what he did. So I, I you know, I appreciate the fact that you're doing this podcast. And you know, I'm going to continue to focus on El Salvador and look forward to going down there in November. Thanks so much. All right. All right. Great speaking with you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. <laughs> All right. Good luck. Yeah. Bye. Thanks. Bye.
And that concludes our interview with Congressman Jim McGovern. Thank you so much for listening. If you got anything out of this podcast, it would mean a lot to us if you just shared it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you want to share it. It helps us get the word out and lets other people know about the work that we're doing here. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.